the songs that were sung and everything that has been done. The Lord has confirmed His Word in my heart that He'd have us to preach for this service. And so I'm looking forward to what God will bring to pass through the preaching this morning. In First Peter, in chapter number 5, if you find your place, and when you find your place, if you are able and willing, I would invite you to stand with us. We'll read the Word of the Lord together this morning from First Peter in chapter number 5. And I'm not going to freeze anybody to death, but it is 76 degrees on the stage, so I, I'm going to pull it down about 2 or 3 if that's all right with you. That way I don't hyperventilate and die before the end of the message this morning. And I hope if you're still a little bit wet and whatever from coming in out of the rain, that maybe if you need my coat, you can have it, because I can't stand to wear it no longer this morning. And uh, Brother John said what we ought to do this morning when it gets to raining is have everybody go out and stand in the as an object lesson, just have everybody go out and stand in the rain for about five minutes, let it pour down on their head, and then come back in the service. And that way they would know how Brother Toby feels every Sunday when he leaves the church. And uh, that is just about right. But uh, you pray for us this morning that the Lord would use us for His honor and glory. First Peter in chapter number 5, and in verse number 5, the Word of the Lord says, Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that He may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon Him, for He careth for you. You can be seated this morning. Thank you for standing with us while we read the Word of the Lord. What a phrase is given to us in verse number 6, where He says, Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. On the pages of the Bible, God is described oftentimes using human terms. I mean terms that we can surely relate to as human beings, such as the face of God, or talking about the feet of God, the hands of God, the eyes of God. And so I have preached several years ago concerning the spiritual body of God. He is a spirit, but He does have a body. The Bible talks talks about in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that there are different kinds of bodies. There are terrestrial bodies and then there are celestial bodies. There are earthly bodies and there are heavenly bodies. There are carnal bodies and there are spiritual bodies. And the Lord God and the Father is a spirit, but He does have a body. And these descriptive terms are given unto us in the Word of the Lord showing us human characteristics and yet being ascribed unto the Lord. They're called anthropomorphisms. And I practiced that word 700 times and still nearly stumbled through it. Anthropomorphisms. That's a big old fancy word, friend. But this represents deity using the forms of humanity. The word anthropos is Greek for man and morph means to form. Therefore, that word anthropomorphisms means the attributes of a human characteristics being given to or being shown unto us in the person of God. And we see it throughout the Bible many, many times. God is spoken of and refers to Himself in very human-like terms here in our text. He says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God. 
it. I mean, Genesis chapter 3 and verse 8, we see it. As he teaches us that God walks in the garden. In Genesis chapter number 1 and verse 3, God talks. Matter of fact, everything that was made was made when the Lord God said some things. They were all made by the word of His power. And Hebrews said all things are upheld by the word of His power. In Exodus chapter 33 and verse 20, God has a face. In chapter 33 of Exodus and verse 23, He has a body. And Moses was not allowed to see His face. But He did pass by and He let Him see His hinder parts. And my friend, which I believe was the afterglow. Or if you will, my friend, that evidence of where God had been by while Moses was in the cleft of the rock. Job chapter number 40 and verse 9 speaks of the arms of God. Isaiah chapter 59 and verse 1 talks about the hand of God. How it is not certain that He cannot save. And the ear of God, how that it is not heavy that He cannot hear. Amen. Nahum chapter 1 and verse 3 talks about the feet of God. These are physical characteristics. But He also has human-like emotional characteristics as well. Genesis chapter 6 and verse number 6. He is said to grieve. In Exodus 15 and 7, it speaks about the anger of God. In my friends, Exodus chapter 20 and verse 15, it tells us that our God is a very jealous God. He knows what it is to be jealous. And Psalm chapter 2 and verse 4 is one of my favorite. It tells us that God laughs. Amen. He has a sense of laughter or joy or my friend, a humor about Him. And when I look around, friend, if you don't see it any other way, when you look at some of the folks God made and some of the things that all of us do, you know God has a sense of humor about Him. I watched my daddy this morning talk about that monkey that he saw down at the flea market. How will my friend with those overalls on? If you watch a monkey, you know God has a sense of humor. I mean, it's funny to watch. And it's funny to watch their behavior so far. And it's even funny to watch how sometimes we emulate them and act like them. Amen. Oh, my friend, God laughs. And I'm thankful that He does. He rejoices in Zephaniah chapter number 3. And He joys over us with singing. These are human attributes that have been linked with God. These manners in which God and man are linked should not surprise us. For we are made in His image and in His likeness. Isn't that right? And still we can know when the Bible speaks of God and human characteristics. It is not in an attempt to humanize God. For God is not man. And my faith does not deal with us according to the way man would deal with us. But it is God condescending to describe Himself in physical terms that are familiar unto us. And that shouldn't surprise us either. The whole thing that we rejoice in, in this person of the Lord Jesus Christ, is that He being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be found equal with God, but He made of Himself no reputation. And my friend, He made Himself in the likeness of a servant. And He became obedient unto death. He 
He was made like unto us so as to identify with us. Oh, thank God. It is God communicating truth about Himself as to who He is and what He does. Oh, thank God. And in our text, how the Apostle Peter speaks to us in these anthropomorphisms my friend concerning the hand of God. He said, my friend, the mighty hand of God. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. Peter teaches us a great truth concerning this mighty hand of God at work in the life of the surrendered and the humble believer. I don't want to preach by the help of the Lord this morning. On this saw his hand is bigger than his hand is bigger than mine. And now, Brother Bob will know what I'm talking about when I say that that is the words he gave us in the opening. This morning, my friend confirmed in us what the Lord had had us to preach. And then the things that John has taught in Sunday school. And this morning, Brother Bob told us how weak man was and how insufficient that man was. And Brother John stood behind him and said, The Lord has said unto my Lord, Sit thou here in my right hand until your enemies be made your footstool. And that, my friend, is the message. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. Praise God. His hand is bigger than mine. Amen. In the days of the Great Depression, they were hard days. Folks barely had enough food to eat to sustain their families and were barely making it by. Matter of fact, I heard Billy Mitchell say not too long ago, said he's standing my friend on the street corner and said about that time they saw a rabbit come running across the street down the road there. And he told an old fellow standing by, said we're living in mighty good times, ain't we? That fellow said, what are you talking about? He said, you didn't see nobody chasing that rabbit, did you? He said, when I grew up, a rabbit couldn't run across the street without somebody running behind it to get it. Amen. They were hard times back in those days. And there's a story told of a woman who'd lost her husband in the First World War. And she was left with a little fella. And here he was, a son, 12 or 13 years old, just a little fella. A young man, if you will. And to my friend, not been adequately nourished, didn't really even have adequate food to eat and barefooted with the torn overalls. I've heard him and his mom come one day into, into a store, country store, general store there in town. And they saw a great big old barrel. A great big old 55 gallon barrel in the middle of that store full of hard candy. And on that barrel of hard candy it said two cents for a handful. Two cents for a handful of candy. And a little fellow walked up and looked inside that barrel and it looked like to him a barrel full of heaven. Why he and his mom hardly had enough money for the necessities of life. Hardly had enough food to fill their little bellies with. Two cents may have well been a million dollars. And he knew he'd never be able to have a handful of candy. But the owner of the store had a grown boy and he was up on a ladder stocking sales. And he looked down that ladder and knew that boy had been orphaned by his daddy dying in the war. And he said to that boy, I said, if you'll get your handful, 
nation. So you can have a handful of them, boy, just sit there. Look at the man upon the land. Look down in that barrel and didn't do a thing. He said, son, did you not hear me? I'll pay for the candy. Just get you a handful. And two cents, I'll pay the cost. That boy just stood there and looked at that candy with his mouth hung open. Finally, that big old man came down off of that ladder, put his great big old hand down inside, covered that barrel, and laid the candy over on that pole. A handful of candy. That little fellow stood there and took two of his hands to hold all the candy that is in a handful. On the way home, his mama asked him as they rode him that old wore out mule and wagon. His mama asked him, said, Son, why did you just stand there and not reach in and get that candy? He said, Because I thought that old boy might get in there and get it himself. And I knew his hand was a lot bigger than mine. <laughs> hey, hey, I tell you, in our lives, while we're living through this old world, And it's all about getting and going and grabbing and having it. Oftentimes we forget that if we'll be patient and wait on the Lord, His hand is bigger than mine. I tell you why you're grabbing everything. I can't alone monkey, but that is preaching about this morning. With His hand stuck in that cord. While we're trying to get everything and hold on to everything. And do things in our own power. If we'll humble ourselves. Because they were in heaven 
us through manifold temptations. And First Peter 1 and 6, their faith is being tried in the fire. And First Peter 1 and 7, and they were under the heat of great persecution. It was very severe and scattered abroad. That sounds a lot like troubled times to me. That sounds a lot like God's people trying to live through difficult times. Sound like they're weathering, my friend. Those unexpected storms. But here's what Peter says unto them. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. You know what He tells His hand is bigger than yours while you're trying to get a hold of things and trying to fix things yourself while you're toiling and rowing and getting nowhere in a hurry. God wants you to understand that things have not gotten out of hand. They may have gotten out of your hand, but His hand is bigger than mine. They've not gotten out of God's hand. And we can trust in the Lord and just humble yourself down and my friend yield yourself to Him and let God have His way in your life. Oh, his hand is bigger than mine. I want to show you this morning three things and a few simple things about these three things. Now I'm going to quit. First of all, I want you to see the expression that is pictured here. He, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And the Lord does not give us a picture. Here they are, beaten up, broken down, a turmoil, temptation, trials, tests on every hand. I mean, he even tells them in verse 10 that they're going to have to suffer a while before they ever get established and strengthened and settled. I mean, these fellows are having deep troubles in this land in First Peter, and yet he tells something. Rather than him tell them, don't worry none about it. Everything's going to be alright. First thing he tells them is, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. I tell you, my friend, long as what we get stiff necked, long as what we get stubborn and rebellious, long as what we buck the storms and the trials we're in, we get hard headed and won't listen to God and won't let God help us. We're going to keep fighting this fight alone. But if you'll humble yourself, if my friend, you'll let God break you down and my friend you let him take control in your life if you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and the Lord will exalt you in due time oh friend this expression pictures in us a very powerful hand the phrase the mighty hand of God is common in the Old Testament and is most often used in connection with the deliverance of God that he wrought for his people where he delivered them out of Egyptian bondage. Exodus 13 and 9 says, For the strong hand that the Lord brought thee out of Egypt. Deuteronomy 3 and 24 says, Oh Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness and thy mighty hand. Deuteronomy 9 and 26 says, I prayed therefore unto the Lord and said, Oh Lord God, destroy not thy people and thine inheritance, but thou hast redeemed through thy greatness which thou hast brought forth out of Egypt with a mighty hand of God's power and strength is manifested publicly when he stretches forth his hand. Makes me think about old Peter out there walking on the water and Peter said Lord save me and my friend he stretched forth his 
did. You know what Peter did? He humbled himself under the mighty hand of God. And God lifted him up. Or God exalted him. And he did it right on time. Amen. It's a powerful hand. Oh. And then I want you to see the picture. It's a providential hand. Uh, the idea of the phrase, the mighty hand of God, is that God's mighty hand is on the destiny of His people. If we will humbly and faithfully accept His direction, that He'll come through in due time, that He will lift us up from the place where we are, that God will provide. That word provide comes from two Latin words and it literally means to pre-see or to see in advance or to be able to predict the future and therefore prepare before it arrives and then it may look like that you're living my friend in need or in destitution but thank God the Lord knows how to pre-see the need He knows how to pre-plan He knows how to know how to see what you need in advance how to put a plan together to handle what's coming that you don't even know about when you've been blindsided by the sword Jesus knew it is coming all along and he knows what to do with your soul the expression that is pictured Oh, thank God, the mighty hand of God. And then notice the exhortation that is pressing. He exhorts us. You know what it is to be exhorted, don't you? It means to be encouraged. Matter of fact, it literally means to be, uh, my friend, encouraged with vehemence or to be encouraged with zeal or emotion or to be stirred in encouragement. Matter of fact, when I was just a boy preacher coming up, that's what they'd call it. They'd say, that here tell you, we're going to make a preacher. Them old timers would say to me, and I was raised around some old timers. My family old timers would say to me, as I was just a boy preacher, and that's what my great granddaddy called it. He didn't call them preacher boys. He said a boy preacher. When I was just a boy preacher, they'd say to me, I hear tell that you're a making a preacher. That's what the old timers would say. When you first started off preaching, they'd say, now he ain't really a preacher yet. He surrendered to preach, and he's making a preacher. He's just kindly an exhorter now. What they meant by that was you could stir people up and fire folks up emotionally. But in their eyes, if you didn't preach an eye, you hadn't made a preacher yet. Well, some of them be proud now that I finally made a preacher one day. Amen. Oh, but friend, thank God for those days and those times of exhortation. I do want to be an encourager. And this morning I want to exhort you. And my friend with a zeal. And with emotion. I want to exhort you. Exhort you. With encouragement. Oh thank God. And with a sense of urgency. And press upon you my friend. The necessity of some things. If you want to experience the help. That is found in the Bible. Hand of God, you will not find it while you're stiff necked. You won't find it while you resist the power of God. You won't find it while you refuse the word of the Lord. You won't find it while you seek after a worldly pursuit and do those things that do please the flesh and that do. 
same time. Amen. Oh, there is a surrender that is essential. It's not optional this morning. It's essential. It is a prerequisite. Before He'll lift you up, you first have to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. By the way, what makes you suspicious that you ought to be the exception to this rule? Do you remember that great passage in Philippians chapter 2 where it said, Wherefore God hath Highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, every tongue should confess things in heaven, things in earth, things under the earth. He's Lord in the glory of God the Father. Do you remember what came before that? And call my fill up this mind, be in you which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the of God, thought it not robber to be found equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation. How about that he took upon himself the form of a servant and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross? Wherefore God hath highly exalted him. You want to be exalted in due time? Oh, my friend, before Jesus was exalted, he first had to become humble. Jesus is surely good enough for us. The apostle Paul said, God wanted to give him an abundance of visions and of dreams unless he should be exalted above measure. And God said unto him and allowed authority in the flesh that was a messenger of Satan sent to buffet him. Oh, he besought the Lord three times that God would take the away. But God told him, my grace is sufficient for thee. I'll tell you before you get exalted, you'll first have to be humble down. Oh, before John heard the words. Oh, I hope somebody's hearing me preach. This morning I done got on a rabbit trail, but I'm a hunter down. Before John could hear the words, and John 4, come up hither, he I'm standing before him. It was the Son of God in Revelation 1 and 18. I'll tell you before you get lifted up, you'll have to find your way humble down. And then God lifts you up in due time. Everybody wants a promotion. Everybody wants to be lifted up. But I'll tell you, before we get promoted, we're first going to have to find ourselves humbled before the Lord. Praise God. Oh, humble yourselves. Now I'm back on track. Humble yourselves means to place yourself under an orderly fashion. Don't try to stand against the work of God in your life. Don't try to bug the will of God in your life. Don't try to resist what God wants to do in your life. Surrender to the will of God. Don't rebel against the wisdom of God. Resolve to the will of God for your life. Allow yourself to be humbled, accepting your lot and circumstances either sent by or that are allowed by the omnipotent sovereign God who loves you and desires the very best for your life, that He might bring His honor and glory through you. God will often allow suffering to bring about the fruit of humility. 
mercy in us. God allows to bring circumstances into our lives that we might understand that we are at the mercy of the designer who desires ultimately to conform us to the image of His Son in His sovereignty and providence. God will place events and people in our lives that we may begin to see our need for Him and we are to place ourselves under the mighty hand of God and powerful hand, that providential hand, knowing that on the authority of His Word in His time He will exalt us and He will lift us up. How many times we try to press a button? Amen. Oh, Lord. Let me preach to me just a moment. How many times we try to press the button? We want to pull a switch, flip a switch and pull the cord. Amen. Isn't that right? Or in, if Brother Randy's missing this morning, y'all get on him. I don't know where he is. If we were in Ramburn, Alabama, Brother Randy, we'd mash the button. Amen. We wouldn't press the button or push the button. We would mash the button. Amen. Brother John told him he didn't mash buttons on his phone. He says, you just touch it. He said, that's all you have to do is just press that button. You don't have to mash it. And the next week, Brother Randy was eating some potatoes. So mashed potatoes, green potatoes down in Ramburn, Alabama and he thought, I wonder, since we can't mash buttons, are these potatoes pressed potatoes? <laughs> or are they mashed potatoes? Oh, friends, so often we want to mash the button. We want to do things ourselves. We want to push the envelope. We think we can create our own opportunities and open our own doors. Oh, but if we'll unblock ourselves in the mighty hand of God. If we'll be still, if we'll wait, in due time that is the right time. In due time that is God's time. In due time that is in heaven's time. God will exalt us. If we'll just humble ourselves in this time, God will take Hallelujah to His name. The surrender that is essential. And then I want to show you in this exhortation. The seriousness that is expressed. The word humble is a command. It's not a suggestion. Neither it is. Neither is it a recommendation. But it is a command. Humble yourselves. And therefore in the mighty hand of God. And now those of you that study in English in the fourth grade will remember. That when a sentence begins without a subject. But it does have a verb. The subject is the understood you. In other words, the person to whom is being spoken. That person, my friend, is the one who is the subject of this sentence. Amen. And whenever Peter starts off with humble yourselves, you know who he's talking to this morning. He's talking to you and he's talking to me. Humble yourselves. You, yes, I'm talking to you. All across this building this morning, somebody said, that preacher pointed right at me. I'm trying. Are you humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God? Are you do this? Hey, friend, it's a serious That's a call to make a decision. And it even conveys a sense of urgency. But the idea is you do this now. You humble yourself now. Don't delay. Every day you live resisting the will of God. And your life is one more day too long. Right now is the time to get right with God. 
for your life. Amen. I'm trying to exhort you a little while this morning. Exhort you to live for God. Oh, and then I want to say there's an expression that is pictured. An exhortation that is pressing, and I'm closing with this. There is an emancipation that is promised. If you will do these things, God will free you of many of the burdens you've been dragging around. Amen. Isn't it remarkable? How often we drag all of our own burdens and cares. I mean, we drag around financial burdens and physical burdens and family burdens and troubles of all kind. You've been dragging around burdens about your future. You've been dragging around burdens about your children. I mean, just like carrying them all by yourself. You've worried till your hair has turned gray or turned loose. I mean, you've made yourself plumb sick, rocked in a rocking chair till you've worn out the porch. The rails on the chair. I mean, friends still ain't got nowhere just going back and forth. Amen. I worried yourself sick, taking medicine and all kinds of things. I'm telling you, friend, a lot of physical illnesses have been brought on by worry and worry and worry and stress and worry and worry. Oh, friend, hey, how often do we wear ourselves out? about the things of this whole world. Oh, what peace we often forfeit. Oh, because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. I'm telling you, instead of spending your nights up all night tossing and turning, don't you realize all that watering around and worrying about your money is going to cost you money. You're going to have to buy sleeping pills. You're going to need a new bed. I mean, friend, you're going to wear out and make your seats threadbare. And then you're going to need more money to pay for that. Lay still and quiet and go to sleep. And give them things over to Jesus. Hallelujah to His name. Put your troubles in His hand. And quit watering and worrying about it all. Amen. Now, lest you think I'm the pot calling the kettle black, I'm just going to go ahead and confess this morning. And I don't really worry about a lot, but I sure do try to get my hands on it to fix it so I don't have to worry about it. Preemptive actions. Amen. I try to fix everything before I have to worry about it. I'll worry about it before it's needful to worry about, so maybe I won't have to worry about it later on. Amen. Anybody know anything about that? Preemptive worrying. Amen. Worrying about it before it ever takes place. And that way I can say whenever it's all said and done, see, that never happened. I must have done a good job fixing it ahead of time. Oh, my. Truth be known, I was probably worrying over nothing. Worrying usefully. I uselessly. One person said worry really works. Most of the stuff they worry about never did happen. That's must have worked and warded it all off. Amen. Oh, we worry and fret and get frustrated when what we need to do is humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God. I put it in the hand of the Lord. Somebody said, but it's too much. It's too big. His hand is bigger than mine. It may be too big for my hands, but I tell you, He can grab more than a double handful. His hand is bigger than mine. Lord knows how to take care of things. And if you'll learn to turn it over to Him, 
It would amaze you at the freedom you have. It amaze you how liberating it is to learn how to turn it over to the Lord in prayer. It would surprise you, friend, how freeing that it would be if instead of worrying over it and working to fix it and trying to put your hands all over it, if you'd give it to God and let God do something with it. You'd find it remarkable. You'd be like a bird set out of prison. These people come to church, they can't shout, they can't testify. These people in the building this morning, you having a hard time even digesting what I'm preaching because a change has hung on you. And a lot of them has been tied on you and locked by yourself. Amen. You have locked them on yourself. You've handcuffed yourself. You say the devil's been riding my back all week. And he might be. But you put on the saddle, buckled it up, and my friend got ready for him to jump on. Amen. May the Lord help us. He can set us free. There is a liberty in this thing. Cast all your care on Him. Oh, my friend, that word casting is that word polos. My friend, in the Greek, it means a ball. It's where we get our word ball from. The idea is like wanting a ball up. And my friend, not just aiming as if it were a dart. My friend, as if you were a pitcher with precision trying to throw a strike. But that word catch is like taking a ball and just with all your might throw it as far away as you can and get it rid of yourself. Putting it all over on him. Oh, bless his name. And when you get another one, my friend, throw it on him. And when you get another one, throw it on him. Oh, and when you get another one, throw it on him. Ain't no need you holding all the birds friend. No need you keeping them all for yourself. Casting all your cares on the Lord. I tell you, get rid of one, the devil, the flesh, and the world. I'll see to it. You've got another one coming. When it comes, don't try to bear it either. Ball it up and cast it on the Lord. I tell you, casting all your cares on Him. Instead of dragging it around, being under bondage to the things of this old world. I mean, give them Humble yourself. His hand. Go give me one of them back now. His hand. His hand. Oh, that's what we do, ladies. His hand is bigger than mine. His hand is bigger than mine. I tell you, he can hold them all this morning. He can hold them all. Oh, praise God. Notice the work of God. God works in our humility before Him. If you'll humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, He will exalt you in due time. He will lift up. After that you have suffered a while, He said in verse 10, He will make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Oh, praise the Lord. He'll exalt you, my friend. He will lift up suffering, submissive believers in His wife appointed time. He'll exalt you. That is, He'll set you on high. He'll lift you up in spiritual context. It refers to a spiritual lifting or a sense of revival. Amen. And God will cause us to rise up spiritually and we can be placed on a higher plane. And when we humble ourselves before God, our troubles may not go away. But thank God He can give us a promotion. We can graduate to a place 
strength to sustain me. And God will take them from being scars and make them trophies for us. When Paul counted his trophies, he said, I'll glory in tribulation. I'll glory in mine infirmities. He took the scars and God in due time made them trophies. Amen. Then notice the wisdom of God. In due time. We want the lifting right now. I'm finished preaching, by the way. You can come on the song. We want the lifting right now. But God knows the right time. We must learn to trust Him. He will do right by us. So what will I do? I will suffer if I must. I will endure this old world. I will surrender to what He wants in my life. I will trust Him with my soul. I will trust Him with my family. I will trust Him with my finances. I will trust Him with my health. I will trust Him with my future. I will put it all in His hand. For His hand is bigger than mine. Stand to your feet if you need to pray. I'd invite you to come this morning. I'd invite you to come. Oh, and cast your care upon the Lord. If you need to borrow a handkerchief, there's some on the front row. And that'd be all right. Just come and cast all your care on Him, for He cares for you. Sing whenever it is that you're ready. May the Lord bless you and help you this morning. His hand is bigger than mine.